0: Ladies and gentlemen, citizens of the universe, NFL Draftniks, fantasy footballers, geeks, geezers, skeezers, weirdos, we come here to unite. This is Roster Watch.
1: This is Quentin Copels, and this is Roster Watch. Hey, this is Kirk Cousins live at the Senior Bowl with Roster Watch. <laughs> this is Melvin Ingram, and we're at the Senior ball listening to Roster Watch. This is Jack Del Rio, and this is Roster Watch on ESPN Radio, Austin. Hey, this is Chris Polky listening to Roster Watch on ESPN Radio, Austin. Hey, this is Brandon Whedon, you're watching Roster Watch.
0: I am here with the very talented Mr. Isaiah P. Uh, Big East Offensive Player of the Year.
1: I'm here with Vic Rucci, Senior Editor, Cleveland Browns.
0: I'm here with Boise State running back Doug Martin. This is Rick Spielman, General Manager of the Minnesota Vikings, and you're listening to Roster Watch. We are back. It is just Alex Dunlap, Byron Lambert. Mike Loiko of NEPatriotsDraft.com. It is raining in Austin, Texas, and it's only fitting because on nights like tonight, you see a hurricane matched with a tornado. RosterWatch.com has all of your fantasy football inside news analysis you need all season, in season, and off season. Mike Loiko, NEPatriotsDraft.com, has been scouting every single player that will be a playmaker in this league since they were wearing Diapers, this is Roster Watch. My name is Alex Dunlap. I'm going to hand it off to my co captain, as always, steering the ship in this NFL free
1: agent frenzy, Byron Lambert. Good evening, listeners and fans. Good evening, fellas. We are steering the ship. We always know that there is a calm before the storm. This podcast is going to start in the very calm, very lazy, Running back free agent waters. It's been the doldrums. We just went off about the intense action on the wide receiver free agent market. It's been amazing, and on the other side of things is the running back market. Yes, there's been a plight of talent, but I think the league has just changed. They don't care about running backs anymore. They don't care about they don't care about running backs that don't threaten the defense from any point on the field. Guys that are not freaks. When you look at the list. There's guys available like Joe Adai, Jackie Battle, Cedric Benson, Ronnie Brown, Michael Bush and Ryan Grant, even Brandon Jacobs. None of these guys have gotten really any more than a sniff. The only two fellas that have been signed are LaRon McClain and Peyton Hillis by San Diego and Kansas City respectively. Two signings, which we actually really, really love.
0: Well, we do, and I think with the, free, with the free agent market at the running back position, it goes to show, and I know it sounds very cliche at this point, but this is a QB-driven league uh, as far as NFL front offices. As much as we like to, especially as fantasy football players and, and people who grew up thinking that you know you draft two running backs in round one, round two, have that round out your roster, we've seen that has begun to change. This is a quarterback-driven league, and if you look at the economics of the league, it makes a lot of sense. Scoring is up. It's, it, it's up higher than it's ever been in the history of the league, as well as TV numbers. Uh, the, these executives, these decision-makers within organizations understand that. That's why the three highest-paid positions in the, in the league are quarterback, left tackle, the person who protects the quarterback, and defensive end, who is a pass rusher, the guy that kills the quarterback. That should show you that this has been a league that is moving more towards that. So has the running back gone the way of the dinosaur? I certainly don't think so. I think you're a dinosaur if you're not looking at a guy like Michael Bush. So
1: just from the perspective of the guys that were signed, we like McLean. We think he's a good replacement for... Tolbert in San Diego. I think he's got about five years experience. I see him filling that Tolbert role and being very fantasy valuable this year.
0: And and we'll get to the Tolbert signing later because that's something that we'll have a lot of thoughts about. Mike Tolbert has gone to the Carolina Panthers who have three very good running backs already on their roster and Jonathan Stewart, D'Angelo Williams, and Mike Goodson. Uh, Who knows what's what's going to happen there. But in his void has come LaRon McLean, former touchdown vulture of Ray Rice in Baltimore, a guy that can play fullback, a guy that can play short yardage running back, I see this as being very good for LaRon McClain's fantasy value, not only because they've shown that they're an offense that will give the ball to a short yardage running back in those situations, but also because we've seen that starting running back, Ryan Matthews has a real hard time staying healthy.
1: Well, and you talk about touchdown vulture to Ray Rice. Ray Rice is a much healthier, more durable back than Ryan Matthews. And what I would say is that in the roster watch Draft kit that's going to be available before the season starts. When you look at running back hand fish, uh, handcuff efficiency ratings, McLean is going to be right there at the top. If you draft Ryan Matthews, yes. it is going to be a must handcuff to lock up McLean. It'll be it'll be an AP Toby Gerhardt kind
0: of situation. It's it's going to be one of those as far as our handcuff efficiency yield. You know we haven't we haven't run the numbers and we haven't run the algorithms yet. Obviously, for this particular
1: situation, this will all be in the draft kit. But yes, that will be a very very necessary hand. And card. then Peyton Hillis, I don't know how fantasy relevant he'll be. He might get more action early in the year when Jamal Charles is still recovering. He may be a touchdown vulture all year. It could could be a good pickup from a football perspective. I love it. I think he's a perfect complement to Jamal Charles as far as backs styles. Um, and then I also believe that he is able to carry the workload and be a workhorse in the event that Jamal Charles isn't ready to go at the beginning of the season. Yeah, you
0: know, Peyton Hillis is a diva. He's a he's a malcontent. Always has been. He's he's. Uh, he, I, I personally don't. I I don't really love the guy. Uh, but you know, he is a good player. Had one year of uh, tremendous tremendous production. We had the opportunity to talk with both Scott Pioli and Romeo Cronell at the Combine. And, you know, what they had told us is that Jamal Charles is on pace, will be ready to come back next season to start game one. Whether he'll play in preseason, it doesn't sound like it. They're going to be taking their, you know, they're not going to take any chances. But. They will have Jamal Charles back for game one from everything that we're told. Now, are they going to want to put him in harm's way the same way they had previously? I don't think so. They have Thomas Jones gone. They have Jackie Battle gone. All they have is a gadget back and Dexter McCluster. This is the kind of thing where Peyton Hillis could be a, could be the kind of running back we could start Peyton Hillis and Jamal Charles in any given week.
1: They will, ha- they will have to monitor Charles' workload on the first year back from an ACL. So expect action for Hillis. Uh, It's going to be a situation where it does divide it to where it's going to be hard to know who's a stud week to week, but uh, Hillis will be worth a look for sure if you can get a good value pick on him. Mike, what's your take on the free agent signings with McLean and Peyton Hillis?
2: I like the Hillis one a lot. Um, I think he's a perfect complement for Jamal Charles, just like you said. It's on a one-year deal, so he's really going to be able to rebuild his value, go test the market again in a year, and, you know, see what's out there for him. The, you know, they needed to get younger at the running back spot. With uh, They had Thomas Jones and Jackie Battle, who really wasn't too dynamic. Or, you know, he just is what he is, basically. So going out there, getting one of the best backs on the market in um, Peyton Hillis, I think it's a great move. If Jamal Charles isn't 100% healthy at the start of the season, you know, Hillis can carry the load. I think Phyllis is going to be really motivated this year after the debacle that happened last year. And, you know, I just think it's a great great fit for both team and player. I, I actually am a fan of Pusses. I thought he was going to have a better season than he did last year. I mean, and it ended up just being a disaster ever since he sat out, you know, the third game of the year, right about there. and Then he had some injuries, came back into a game, got taken out. You know, it was just a whole mess from start to beginning. It was a mess. So for three million dollars, I think he's going to be motivated. I think the Chiefs are going to—they're kind of run-first offense right now. They have some good wide receivers. Peyton Hill should be able to get a good amount of touchdowns. So I'm a big fan of that pickup. Well, he We're said
0: on. he said so, uh, he said he sat out for—I think he sat out for a lot of last season with a strain
1: contract. But that's just me. Well he Yeah, was, no, he definitely did. He was soul searching, guys. He was exploring his options as, as being a potential CIA agent.
2: Yeah.
0: He wasn't <laughs> sure what his career was. He wasn't sure if he wanted to do that or go or or, or go knife hunt hogs.
1: Now the, and then we Alex touched on it, uh, Mike Tolbert, a guy we actually we we call him the bowling ball. We like him a lot. Yes. He was a good, good player for the Chargers. A little surprised to see him picked up by the Panthers today. Maybe it's the Ron Rivera connection. It must be. They must like him in the locker room and his skills on the field. I would have seen him more going to fill a Brandon Jacobs-type role in New York, being kind of a, a compliment to Bradshaw. Or, or, or
0: the or what I had called the whole time is that he would go to the Chiefs in the spot that Peyton Hill has had. Yeah, that, that was one. the division they played against him, and he's giving Casey fits. So... That's what I had thought. Now he, goes to, now he goes to Carolina, where they have a very talented young running back, Texas A&M's Mike Goodson, a guy who's a special teams player, but also an electric, electric runner. Great receiver out of the backfield. And then you got absolute studs. And Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams, whose fantasy values were absolutely killed last year by Cam Newton's six or was it sixteen rushing touchdowns inside the five or whatever it was? So it was it, it was just or sixteen rushing carries inside the five, leading to like eleven like 13, touchdowns, something like this. Yeah, thirteen touchdowns. So it it, it 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 takes away any sort of goal line value. That any that any running back has in that situation, and now you're further diluting the pool with a bowling ball like Tolbert. They've come out and said that they're not going to trade. De, they well, they can't trade D'Angelo Williams. They gave him forty something million dollars last year. Uh, Jonathan Stewart would be available for a trade. As would Goodson. We haven't heard anything about their thoughts on that. Uh, but it's it sure seems like this really gives Mike Tolbert a big hit on his value.
1: Yeah, so the, I, the the implications here are that basically they have like five running backs on the roster right now. If you include Cam Newton, it was already very tough to defend to depend on D'Angelo Williams or Jonathan Stewart when it came to fantasy football last year. Uh, it was very week to week with those guys, and really, if they want to trade uh, Stewart, when you look at how slow this running back market's been, I just don't think there's going to be any demand for him. They're not going to get. They're going to get a. Lump a coal for that guy, and he's good.
0: He's very good. Huh? Maybe
1: somebody who's not high on Cedric Benson or Michael Bush decides they're they're willing to give a little something up for Jonathan Stewart. I mean, if I was a fan and I needed a running back, I'd want my team to you bring in Jonathan Stewart. You don't think the Miami Dolphins would love a Jonathan Stewart? I think him and Reggie Bush would be a nice combination so, with, well, with Stewart as the lead back, and the, you know, and then then really the only the two guys that we're that we kind of looked at here that we're a little surprised there hasn't been any movement on yet is yes, Cedric Benson's got more tread on the tires, but he's still very serviceable. I'd be surprised the team doesn't sniff around him, even though he's got attitude issues. And then Michael Bush, a guy we've watched a ton the last three years. He's a bruiser. He's durable. He's agile. He's got good hands. He's not a game breaker, but we've seen him bust off plenty of 40 and 50 yard touchdowns. I mean, he, he can make some big plays, and we've been surprised to see how slow the market has been for that Yeah, match.
0: especially coming out of the combine, wherever, you know, there was so much talk from the Cincinnati contingent about how excited they were about the opportunity to possibly pursue Michael Bush. He got in there, got out of there without a contract. Um, you know, it's, I... Whether it's a matter of the market slowing on running backs, you know what it is, obviously Cincinnati cannot feel comfortable with their running back situation. Maybe a lot of these teams are starting to see that running backs aren't getting these big offers. They're starting to kind of slow play it, wait to see who comes out and makes that first one, and then let the agents kind of gauge off that. But I think for teams, the longer this takes, the better off they are as far as what's going to
1: count against their cap. Well, Mike, does, does some of the way this is played out have to do with the way teams are perceiving the running back depth in the middle of this draft and the value uh, I'm, there?
2: I'm not really sure what what's the, the cause of this. I think it's just one of those things where teams are waiting for – you know, the players demand to come down, and they usually come down around this time. I think we'll start seeing the names come off the board rather soon. The first one's definitely going to be Michael Bush. I think once he signs somewhere, the dominoes fall into place. I really like Michael Bush as well, you know. I ended up drafting Darren Fadden pretty high last year. I was smart enough to pick Michael Bush. Michael, good for you, game. bro. Oh, uh, hey, that,
0: that, you're one of, I think, that that's, where, you're a, an IC, that's yeah, where our seasons diverged hey, last yeah, year. One, I think only, you know, we did like a little straw poll. I think only one and eight were willing to take that handcuff that early, you know, fifth, sixth round. The ones who did, did very, very well. Congratulations to you. And then
2: I it. ended up trading Barry McFadden for Adrian Peterson after week four, too, so I did pretty good for myself. <laughs> Jeez. Anyways, I think uh, Michael Bush has an all-around game. You know, he's durable, <laughs> fairly durable. He can take a full load of carries. He can catch the ball. He's a good goal line back, powerful runner. I think he deserves a shot to be the number one back somewhere. I think Cincinnati would be a great fit. I ultimately think that makes so much sense. I don't want to see him go back to Oakland. I don't. You know, he had a visit with Seattle. That makes no sense to me with Marshawn Lynch. They're really similar backs. I think if since Cincinnati can sign Michael Bush and then draft, you know, maybe a Lamar Miller or somebody like that, and that's a great, great combination for that young offense. That'd make them even more that more dangerous. Sergio Benson, I think,'s gonna be sitting out there for a long time. You know, he's got a ton of uh issues on the field. He's really he's really lost a couple steps, fumbling issues, he's got a really bad short yardage back, can't get the tough yard. You know, he really only can get what's blocked from at this point. And I'm not sure what kind of teammate he is. I wouldn't, you know, he's going to get a one-year deal, some minimum not minimum salary, but minimal salary—and then there's guys like Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis, who at this point it looks like he might actually end up in New England on a, you know, a two-year low-money deal to be maybe the goal I'm back for Ridley and Vereen, and just you know, best man play. We're just waiting for the player's values to come down, and then teams will make a move in regards to Colbert. I'm just, you know, puzzled by the move. They have Cam Newton, who just vultures all the touchdowns as it is. They have Stewart, who's probably the most talented back on the roster. It really all starts though with giving D'Angelo Williams 41, 42 million dollars last year. That was just a head scratcher at the time. That was ridiculous. I still don't know why they did it. You know, and now they're just jumbled back there. Maybe they move Stewart if they get a second round pick. I guess they like Tolbert as, you know, that fullback, each back, move him around, you can catch the ball in the backfield. But fantasy value-wise, I'm not even touching any of them. I don't care if it's 12th round. I'm not dealing with that situation this year.
1: Hey, I to- totally, totally agreed. When we brought it in, Alex mentioned that that there was a storm brewing here in town, and the seas really started getting rough in free agency <laughs> with the hurricane known as Peyton Manning himself. He he was stirring up the whole league left and right while all the other meager quarterbacks were left to jump on the lifeboats and throw on their life vests. <laughs> guys were hanging on for dear life. Guys like Matt Hasselbeck, Tim Tebow, Alex Smith. Jake Kevin Cobb, Locker. Jake Locker. Every one of these guys. This, this was the rockiest and most intense part of all of free agency was the quarterback saga. Today we found out that Peyton Manning... Landed in Denver, as suggested by Roster Watch several days ago. It's I, we just knew the championship culture, the Elway connection, the defense, and some of the bright offensive, uh, young offensive stars such as Demarius Thomas uh, would be the deciding factors. Uh, Alex, what did you, I mean? What did you think about that? What's the fantasy impact going to be? I personally now think Demario's Thomas may be a top five, top eight wide receiver he, when it comes to fantasy. Agreed,
0: ag- agreed. Because he he got if you look at the number of passes that were thrown his way versus his production, he he dwarfs any other receiver in the entire league. He's a guy that took you know made the most out of his chances last season. Uh, getting you know whatever balls were thrown to him from uh, Tebow and through the other you know quarterback sagas that they had there, um, it, we could. Whenever I heard about Daniel Fells, who who Mike might be able to tell us a little bit about going to New England, who <laughs> doesn't seem to be in too much too much of a need for tight end, uh, you know the, the the fact that they didn't exercise their 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 right on him, it, I I feel like you know opens the door up for. Dallas Clark to come in Peyton Manning Dallas Clark Brandon Stokely Demarius Thomas to me it just made too much sense great young defense uh quarterback who's a legend to kind of you know work with work under John Fox who's come out publicly and said that he will be handing this offense over to Peyton Manning you know Both teams he's ever played for are both horse mascots. There's great steakhouses in Denver. It just makes too much sense uh, with everything. The altitude, the extra air he'll be able to get on his balls, things like this. So I love it. I think it's great for the league. I think it's great when Denver is good in this
1: league. But the fact of the matter is, I haven't seen Peyton Manning throw yet. Well, only, you know, o- you,
0: only only 15 or you, 20 people have. You
1: know what I would say about this, though? and I made the mistake last year, but I, this year I think it could pay off, is I would target Peyton Manning as a fourth or fifth-round pick. If I had the opportunity to get Peyton Manning about where people were drafting a, a retread Brett Favre a few years ago when he had a, a, a monster there in Minnesota... Uh, I would seriously, seriously look at it. I would draft him before I took a Ben Roethlisberger in the fifth what about What about before a Matt Schaub? Yeah, I hate Matt Schaub. It'd be in that <laughs> pocket. It'd be before a Matt Ryan. It'd be before a Ben Roethlisberger. It'd be right in that pocket, though. Right
0: in there. And that's going to be right at... Whenever our draft kit comes out, you'll see... Uh, I haven't actually. We haven't. We haven't run the numbers yet as far as the statistical data with the uh, graph chart and the and, and the pie chart. But I am anticipating now that we're talking about it, a little bit of a drop in value there from the from tier one to tier two around that.
1: Point. I mean, I would say I think he's going to have Tony Romo upside plus, and you're going to be able to get him around round and a half, two rounds later.
0: Well, depending. I mean, if he comes in, works out great in OTAs. ESPN cameras are all over the place. Reporters are showing him slinging it around. He's looking great. Comes out, maybe plays in one preseason game and looks great. Then you are going to have to draft him again as a QB one. He's not
1: going to fall that far. My, but, but we all just have to see. What's your take on the Manning rig? I, I know as a Patriots guy, I would probably like to see you just get him go ahead and get him out of the conference. <laughs> that didn't happen, but uh, good fit in Denver.
2: Yeah, Denver's basically going to do let him do whatever he wants. He's going to be able to run his own offense. I think that was the main selling point. San Francisco Harbaugh has his own system, so Manning, you know, he really doesn't want to learn a new system at this point in his career. He wants to do what he knows how to do. So I think it's a good fit how successful he's going to be. I mean, I think he'll have a pretty good year, he's not going to put up the numbers like he did during his prime in Indianapolis, but – you know, he's probably going to be an upper echelon quarterback. I don't think he's going to put up numbers like Tom Brady or, you know, Aaron Rodgers this year. But, I, you know, he's a, you know, put up decent numbers. In regards to Demarius Thomas, I'm not sure i pick him as high as you guys are saying. Just for the fact that a lot of his, you know, catches and touchdowns came as a result of play action off of Tim Tebow last year. With the safeties and defensive backs and linebackers fighting on the play action. That's very and true. Own reads right. And then he would just throw it deep to Demarius Thomas. They're going to be running a much more complex, a whole different offense that Demarius Thomas really isn't used to. He's, you know, he, for being in the league three years, he really is still raw with his running ability. He's still kind of that one trick pony. He can just run, you know, the skinny posts or the vertical. So he's gonna have to make an adjustment to that, and I don't think he has as high upside immediately as you guys might think. But he's still somebody that, you know, the last month of the year he was one of the best receivers for fantasy. But you know, a lot of that was results of Tim Tebow, a lot of his yards. So that's just something to watch. Well, I would make the point though. I think that what could potentially
1: offset that. Is the fact that he's going to get a lot? I think he's going to get more receptions, and he's going to be playing with a more accurate quarterback. And I think he's athletic enough that if he gets the receptions, he can make something happen. To to your point, I do think the learning curve of a new offense could be a neutralizing factor a little bit.
2: Yeah, I agree with those points. He is going to get more catches. You need to stay healthy all through training camp, you know, learn the offense all through the offseason. It's going to be an important offseason for that whole offense. And it'll be interesting to see what else Denver does. They definitely need more weapons. It looks like Dallas Clark, maybe even Jacob Kane, are going to go there. I'm surprised Reggie Wayne signed so soon because I think that might have been a decent fit. So... You know, we'll see what happens. It's going to be an important off season, though. I bet Wayne wish he would have waited just a little
1: bit. Uh, the other guy, Matt Flynn, he was the other. It was the Matt Flynn Derby. It was the other guy of, of <laughs> notoriety. Everybody expected him to be a lock to Miami. They got sidetracked uh, in the Peyton Manning sweepstakes, and they let everybody get away. So Matt Flynn ended up in Seattle, uh, and, assist, and still in a West Coast system. It remains to be seen how good he is going to be there, but. Basically, the wash from this is that Washington filled its quarterback need with RG three. Denver filled a quarterback need with Peyton Manning. Seattle now is out of any kind of market for an early uh, draft pick on a on a quarterback. I would imagine still having Tavares Jackson and Matt Flynn. We now have Alex Smith probably going back to San Francisco.
0: Oh yeah, Matt he, Matt yeah.
1: Hasselbeck and Jake Locker safe in Tennessee. Tim Tebow is going to get shipped out of Denver. We think maybe Jacksonville. I know Loico doesn't believe it. I just think that they're going to want to sell seats and they're going to think it's worth it. Kevin Cobb stays put in Arizona. Um, Cleveland did nothing, kind of to what Vic Carucci told us at the Senior, at yeah, the senior and, Bowl. And what,
0: I, and what I said in my Austin Chronicle column back at the beginning of February, <laughs> that the Cleveland wasn't going to be getting into this. So, yeah. But it brings up Ryan Tannehill who is thought of as the third best quarterback in this draft, a guy who draft pundits, draft experts, draft analysts, scouts, whatever you want to call it, what it is that this community that we live in does. You know, he's he's been identified as the third best. I don't agree, but most people do. And, And when I hear scouts agree, I'm not going to disagree with them. As far as him going in the top 10, Mike... The Browns have not addressed their issue. The Dolphins have not addressed their issue. Both have top eight picks. Are, are we seeing Ryan Tannehill going to one of these
2: organizations?
1: And, and, and is Kansas City interested? And how much more valuable did Jacksonville's pick just get in front of Miami?
2: Yeah, I, I think he definitely does go in the top ten at this point. It's going to be, you know, Cleveland or Miami or a team probably trading up for him. I think Miami makes a ton of sense right now. David Garrard just signed. He's not a long-term answer. But you know what? He can hold down the floor for a year or two while Canning Hill develops. I think he'd be perfect. Mike Sherman's their offensive coordinator. Obviously, we know that Mike Sherman turned Canning Hill from a wide receiver to a quarterback. Had tremendous faith in the kid. I think it's a great fit for Canning Hill. I think that makes a lot of sense. Miami, it looks like it's just in a complete rebuilding phase. they got the new head coach. The quarterback situation is a mess, so I think that makes the most sense. I'm not sure the Browns will uh, waste the number four pick on Tannehill. I think there's bigger needs there. Maybe Brandon Whedon makes sense for Cleveland in round two, maybe even at 22, but I highly, highly, highly doubt Brandon Whedon goes in the first round. Um, so that leaves Miami. Kansas City, I don't think is a fit. They got Brady Quinn just brought in. I think they still believe in Matt Castle. They're gonna let him, you know, sink or swim this year. I don't. They won't pick a quarterback in round one. They got needs on that defensive front seven. Um, Seattle, they just signed Flynn, so they won't take a quarterback. So then, if it gets by Miami, then it's you know, who we'll them. I mean, it'll be that mystery, you know, the wild card of the draft. We'll just have to see. But I'd be pretty surprised at this point if Miami passes on Tannehill. From the looks of it, right now, that seems to be you know their fallback plan. Maybe they've had this in the you know for the whole time that they let, Love Tannehill. They're going to take him if they got Peyton Manning, great. If they got Matt Flynn, maybe they weren't so high on Matt Flynn, great. But I think they have their eyes set on Tannehill well, at this point, and probably can get him at number eight.
1: And so I, I agree. I think Tannehill makes sense. They've got to fill the need. They got to do something for their fan base. He's an athletic guy with upside. I can see him fi- being a good. Uh, fit in that West Coast offense with a quarterback who can move around a little bit. Uh, I like it. My question was, though, were they going to have to lose out on all this other stuff and still, at the end of the day, have to move up to get Tannehill, who's such an unproven commodity, it would seem like just a terrible set of events. But what you're saying is with some of these other quarterback signings, they might be lucky and get off the hook because the rest of the Tannehill market may have dried up a bit. So you think they'll get to stay put? Or yeah, you... well,
2: it, just look at it this way. I'll just jump in real quick. You know, number one, two are set with quarterbacks. Number three, you get to Minnesota. They just drafted a quarterback last year at number 12. They're definitely not taking quarterback. The only team you have to even consider worrying, about is Cleveland. I don't think Cleveland takes them at number four. I just think that's way too high for Tannehill. Maybe they trade down, you know, to try to get them. But then you go to number five. Tampa's not taking him. They get Josh Freeman. Number six, we got Washington, or St. Louis now, who just traded down. We're just They got Sam Bradford, picked him number one a couple of years ago. They're not taking him. Number seven, Jacksonville. They just picked a quarterback in the top ten. There's no way they can pick another quarterback in the top ten, especially a developmental one. And if you factor them in for Tebow. So that really leaves, he's going to fall up to number eight, in my opinion. Especially if there's any way Cleveland picks him at number four, that's a big reach. Otherwise, he falls to eight. Miami shouldn't have to move up unless something crazy happens between hey, now and then. And Mike,
1: one last point: we we definitely don't see any possibility of Cleveland taking Tannehill that high. It's just not in Mike Holmgren's DNA to do that. That's not his plan. But you mentioned Whedon, Alex, and I actually, you know, you know, a guy we love, we really, really love that we think would be right in the in the Browns' game plan as we see them maybe going after a Kirk Cousins in that second or third round, possibly.
2: Yeah, I thought you were gonna say it first round. I was gonna just, I was gonna lose my mind. No, you know
1: what? We don't love him that much. I watched. I went back and watched more tape. I don't love him that much, but I, I still really love him. And I think it's home greenish a third round. It's kind of like McCoy pick uh, a couple years ago, and uh, you know, so I could see them and just seeing what they've got, and then next year they can maybe be in position, like I read today, for looking at a Bark Matt Barkley or something like that.
2: Yeah, if you want to spend, you know, your second and third round pick on a career backup or borderline starter, that's time But you know, chances are he's not going to be more than that, because upside isn't as high as these guys, basically is what it is with him. He's a decent prospect, you know, he's got good leadership quality, he's got a pretty good arm, he's pretty accurate with the ball, He can, you know, spreads it around pretty well, he's pretty mobile, you know, he's not one of these just stationary, he can't move around in the pocket guys, so... You know, he's a decent prospect, it's similar to the Colt McCoy pick. He's kind of, you know, if he had to start right away, I think that's similar results. That, you made a good point, though, finishing off there, that, you know, Cleveland might just say, you know, we're just going to roll Colt McCoy, hope that we get Mark Barkley next year, or, you know, Tyler Bray or one of these other guys. You know Landry Jones, one of those guys will be in the draft next year,
1: or maybe hope that McCoy or any guy they they draft this year looks good over
2: the course of the next twelve months. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold, I hold my breath for that. Hey, do you think Cousins
1: has more upside than McCoy, or do you have them rated exactly the same about how you had their scouting reports on coming out of college?
2: Um, they similar. I, I haven't really finalized my grades yet. I would say, I'd say they're right around the same. I'm probably going to have a third round grade on both of them. Col- Colt McCoy just has those great leadership abilities. He doesn't do anything tremendously well. Kirk Cousins is probably a better thrower of the ball than uh, Colt McCoy, but, you know, I thought Colt McCoy would do a little bit better than he has, but he really hasn't had much help in Cleveland. This is
0: the Watch Podcast, as always, brought to you by Rosterwatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, joined with Byron Lambert. Today, join with Mike Loiko of NEPatriotsDraft.com, follow him on Twitter at NEPD underscore Loico, L-O-Y-K-O, for all of your scouting needs, all of your analysis, wherever you are, whatever spot you have found yourself in this life of NFL sickness, we are so glad you are here. To our hundreds of thousands of visitors to rosterwatch.com this month, to our tens of thousands of listeners to this very
1: podcast, I am overjoyed to say to you, this is Rosterwatch!